0: As my grandma used to say, every, every guy used to know how to whistle back in the day. <laughs> now it's a lost art. That's
1: how you used to get girls. <laughs> Not like catcalling, you would just serenade them with a whistled tune.
0: It was like, param- it, was like uh, it was similar to like athletic skills. Like whistling mm. was like if you could run fast, it's kind of like whistling. Well, well, I would we'll-
1: consider being able to do that crazy finger whistle an athletic
0: skill. True. I mean, that's that's some coach shit right there. Exactly. People if can coach, blow clouds now. <laughs> blow clouds. That's, that's true. <laughs> t- kids are too busy blowing clouds instead of whistling. <laughs> Damn, kids, kids, because they're trying to like get kids to stop vaping, right? Yeah. They just need are to promote. They? Yeah. There's like ads. Which I know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, that doesn't. <laughs> How am I supposed to riff off that?
2: <laughs> it's.
0: <laughs> you're not a kid, Eddie. Well, it's just the kids, the kids, sh- they should encourage the kids to whistle instead of vape. That's all.
1: That is true. That is like an
3: oral fixation fix for you right
0: there. Yeah, just exactly. Instead
3: of your fidget spinners.
0: <laughs> oh, shit. Coming out of coming coming out hard. Hardigan's fidget spinners. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, th-
3: I think that's also just ties into singing on the job. Singing, singing on, the, on the job? You know? singing, <laughs> singing at work, you know? <laughs> closing time
0: <laughs> you, you sing a happy tune
3: singing he- while you're swinging the pickaxe <laughs> into rock. whatever happened to that
1: i've worked with a lot of guys who like will sing the same phrase from a song for like a week at a time kind of yeah and it's very annoying uh like it's just like oh there's that guy who you work with like a busboy or a dishwasher who's just like singing all the time and this week he
0: has happy birthday stuck in his head <laughs> Next week it's Happy by Pharrell. Yeah, I think you know what's funny when when we went to go like to I was at Barney's Beanery or yeah. whatever. <laughs> they had, like Happy playing in the background. I was like, this rules for some reason. I was like, I don't know why, but I'm like, I'm appreciating hearing. Happy by Pharrell right now, and I usually, you know, usually not welcome at the Barney's Beanery in Burbank
1: for all you Los Angeles, or really for all you Burbank heads exactly. out there. I feel like Johnny Carson doing Burbank jokes.
0: <laughs> Despicable, yeah, what is this? Despicable Me 3 just came out? What's going on? <laughs>
1: all right. Burbank is the subject of today's bonus episode. Uh, JT is still away. You know, uh, the this this week's episode is called Two Weeks in, a, in Another Town. Well,
0: no. Wait, hold on.
1: Hold on. <laughs> Let's backtrack that. You yeah. you want to take the lead
0: on this one, Malcolm. <laughs> I feel like I think, you know I what I, I was, I was trying, trying to say. Eddie, I think I knew where where you were going, although I'm having trouble speaking myself. But uh JT, he well, before I get to that. The movie we we chose for this episode. There we go. Two Weeks in Another Town what the fuck is JT doing, but not spending two weeks in another town. So you'd have to expect maybe what's happening in this movie is happening to him.
1: I I feel like JT's been gone for uh, two years in another town, in another state, on the other coast.
0: (laughs) You miss him so much, you you moved into his place. He's the
1: GOAT. (laughs) He's the GOAT.
0: (laughs) Just a JT ad. (laughs) Man, JT is so dope. We
3: miss him so bad. (laughs) Yeah, we've been training his replacement
1: to <laughs> pretend insane. like he cares. I was
0: gonna say, for some reason, that's really funny coming from the the replacement. The man is taking his place. They we call always- me DT. DT. They get up the middle
1: initial slack. We were we always considered Lights, Camera, Jackson, the fourth Mike spiritually of the show. But physically, when you need someone to show up, I guess it's David. Yeah.
3: I may not be as mentally strong, but physically I could beat him. <laughs> Sixth man
0: of the year, David. Absolutely. I'm not gonna say his full name.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, two weeks in another town. The film by Vincent Minnelli. Uh, th- this is you know, Hollywood. The studio system has fallen apart. They're taking their they're taking their talents to Italy. Uh, To the Cinecetta studios where, you know, big sword and sandal epics are being made. And the the big American players are teaching these Italians a little thing about cinema. Uh, This film is kind of a meta text on that. We see Kirk Douglas, this washed up actor, go get involved in a production of a director uh, played by Edward G. Robinson in Italy to the extent of kind of directing the dubbing. And uh, it's a little bit about love little bit about movies, a little bit about that system that creates the movies falling apart before our very own eyes. Uh, it's it's a beautiful film. And you know what? I mean, you said we, Malcolm, but let's just say David chose this That's one, true. I believe.
3: Uh, did you have any thoughts going into this, why, why you picked it out or anything like that? Yeah, I'd seen it once before, and it, it really struck me that time. But really, upon re-watching it and paying attention... Uh, it's just it's it's almost hard to talk about like the many different things Minelli is like doing here. Mm-hmm. Um, especially meta textually, you know, in terms of like Hollywood, what was going on then. And like, I don't know, his view on like creation and artists. Yeah, so I what really struck me upon rewatching this was in the end when Kirk Douglas kinda of finds out this like terrible thing was said about him to this newspaper that this story is being planted that he was like a drunk and he fucked the whole movie up and he, that is really what breaks him like he kind of spends the whole movie like kind of building up trying to like find himself after rehab and it's like upon realizing that other people view him badly that is like what completely destroys him again and like is kind of revealing to how like Manelli thinks of like like artists and in this movie how kirk douglas talks about like how actors are always trying to run away and hide and like hide in other people's stories
1: and especially with the edward g robinson character especially how he views the perception of his art you know he's like this ultimate tough guy who (laughs) you know will smack around his wife and not give a shit about her but uh when the reviews come in she's the shoulder to cry on because that's uh, apparently the only thing he can
0: ever feel any real emotion for is these bozo critics saying that he's old <laughs> news now, you know. Of course, how that scene is countered when you you know he's like oh, Brad Bird, that two hundred dollar a week hack or whatever, <laughs> and you know it's countered with him crying. But it is, I don't know, just kind of a side note. It is like kind of funny to think that like. Like a director just reading a negative review and then just being like, "Oh yeah, they don't pay these people anything to write this shit. Like who gives a fuck? <laughs> like I don't know. That's if you're hey if you're a director listening to this, let that let that comfort you. That film writing is undervalued. Yeah, you <laughs> don't get paid very much. That's the ultimate <laughs> comfort for the elites.
1: Is knowing that the people who criticize them don't have as much money, because <laughs> that means they don't have as much power. Damn. Damn! Damn! Did I just <laughs> did I just teach you a little thing about how this world operates? We just yeah, thought out. so.
0: How Hollywood works? Well, yeah. you know it was interesting. This is all
1: systems. This is just Hollywood, baby. Money <laughs> is power.
0: It's neural networks. <laughs> Got to stop regular networking. Start neural networking. But uh... <laughs> but you know what I thought was interesting about this movie. What I was kind of expecting that maybe it'd be a little bit more of a personal tale of like kind of Kirk Douglas's journey or whatever, not of himself, but like his character within the movie. Um, but it really is kind of balanced between his storyline and kind of, uh, Edward G Robinson, the director's storyline. And it kind of, it really does, uh, work more as like an examination of kind of like Hollywood in decline yeah. rather than being kind of like a personal melodrama, which Minnelli still brings like plenty of melodrama to it, especially within like certain character relationships Especially, you know, with the the young actor that uh, Kirk Douglas is trying to, you know, kind of like kick into shape. Man, he's like, we've all been depressed and done drugs before, man. Yeah. Come on. Um, snap out of snap it. Snap out of it. Like, I feel like more so than any, uh, any of the Minnelli's I've seen, this really is kind of an examination. And uh, he's really kind of uh, picking at scabs here. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, I mean, from the very beginning, uh, you could tell that it's kind of about trying to reclaim past glory for these people in this industry in decline. You see Kirk Douglas over the opening credits, kind of a king of his own castle uh, all by himself, playing shuffleboard and asking the doctors if he's okay yet. And then it's learned later on that the doctors were the ones asking Edward G. Robinson to give him work. But Edward G. Robinson, you know, uh, he sends him this, you know, uh, what's it called? The, The letter? Telegram. Telegram. There we go. (laughs) because <laughs> uh, it's it's the letter but where you say stop every few words you know I'm not going to get into this old timey technology but he talks about how they made you know six films together seven years prior and you think about when this was made in the early 60s and it's like yeah, it is trying to restoke the, the flames of Hollywood at one of its most productive eras. You know, in the 50s, it's like nothing could go wrong. You're making these huge Cinemascope epics. Uh, Minelli was one of them, making big Cinemascope productions and musicals and stuff. And then it's slowly going away. And some of these guys are going to Italy to make big epics uh, at Cinecetto Studios and making stuff like Ben-Hur and shit like that. And, you know... It's just grasping at straws because it's all that's left to do is grasp at straws. And these people are checking out these art house movies, and clearly Minnelli is kind of uh, indulging in like a Fellini style, uh, drunken male abusive power artists, like uh, going crazy fantasy. And then you read a little bit more about that. Apparently, there is an orgy scene that was cut what? out of the film. Roman <laughs> party?
0: I guess that's the Roman party. Exactly. She was talking about. Yeah. Was there, Uh, like, a the uh, devil-style nun? I don't
1: think it it goes that far. But apparently it was a very Fellini-inspired orgy scene. And even uh, Kirk Douglas uh, said that the film was completely neutered by the studio. And, you know, it comes in at, like, an hour and 45, and that does make you think, like, you know melodramas of this period, you know, often more fleshed out, especially when they're going for broke with these huge a set Mine- designs and a Minnelli one with all this overwhelming amount of character and stuff like that. It makes sense that this film maybe was supposed to be a, a, like two hours and change rather than an hour 40.
0: That kind of makes sense now that you say that. Cause like a lot of, yeah, Minnelli's greatest movies are like two hours and change, you know, he, you know, get the opportunity to make these very big, large movies where yeah like i don't know like especially it was really effective in a melodramatic sense as like a lot of these characters uh you know stories kind of get their time to run their course but yeah i guess now that you said this this there's there's a lot of venom that's not uh there, that's not felt throughout the movie but you do get it in certain scenes like um and uh, you know the way you've already mentioned the scene the way the scene is like kind of complemented with the next one but uh with the edward g robinson the director you know him uh, in the tabloids it's saying that you know he's cheating on his wife right and then you know he tells his wife he's like yeah like why would i settle for you like you're you know you're fucking garbage or whatever and like you know he hears her go into the bathroom lock the door and it's like almost like routine and he like he literally busts down the the door very unemotionally and be like don't swallow all the pills. Like I'll have to call the doctor, and I fucking hate doing that. Man. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: you know, they'll have to pump your stomach, and you know how sick that makes me. <laughs>
0: and it, and it's like that's not necessarily what I like. That's that spitefulness is not like a mode I necessarily associate Minelli with. So it him kind of just like ending that scene, and then it having contrasted with like his wife comforting him in his moment of crisis. It really is a uh, some ugliness on display here.
2: Malcolm, you're so nasty.
1: Oh yeah, the that side of the film is so fucking ugly, and even when you think it's going to tug at your heartstrings more, I think one of my favorite things is that after he falls ill, uh, there there's still. That confrontation at the end where Edward G. Robinson's wife, this old bag, he's been drinking like shit, you know, steps in front of him to yell at Kirk Douglas and to tell him to fuck off because Kirk Douglas, you know, assumed the directorial role for Robinson. And then they're like, oh, you hijacked his movie. And it's like. You know, no no one's out for no one's looking out for Kirk Douglas here. He really does have to be on his own, looking out for himself. Even the guy who he forged this partnership for, it was all just business, you know. Yeah. And uh, it's a really depressing message, but I uh, I think for a film about you know a system that's collapsing in real time, I think that's only appropriate.
3: Yeah, I I think it's interesting because it's kind of like, in a way, it seems like. The answers of tourism, you know. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's like as he gets deeper into this film, you know, he he kind of like learns to like be more like self reliable, mm-hmm. you know, and like have it's basically like he has something to like work for besides mm-hmm. just like fame, absolutely, besides like the attention of the camera.
1: And also, he's you know, work that's how it starts him giving away the picture in the reshoots and stuff is like they set up a, a camera setup and then he asks the uh, DP. Kind of just go crazy because he doesn't know what he's doing as a director, <laughs> and then the Italian DP is just like, "Fuck yeah, you know, let's go crazy!" And then they start doing all these crazy pans all over the place. And I love the Italian uh, uh, sound stages and like the rear projection setup, and you know the way that Minelli will shoot the rear projection, them shooting the scene. It's like the actual point of view of the camera, uh, despite the fact that you see crew members, you hear people calling cut, and all this behind the scene stuff. But then after uh, they shoot the reshoot in the studio with that rear projection uh water stuff. You then see a scene of Kirk Douglas uh, with a manager, the manager of the actor trying to tie him into another project. And that's from the other side of the rear projection where you actually yeah. see that image being projected uh backwards and all all of the casting crew are on the other side of that wall. And I feel like Manelli just kind of going back and forth between that, between the actual intimate spaces that the people hold and the very uh fake uh you know luxurious maximalist set design of the studio stages that Manelli really indulges in making them as maximal as he can
0: yeah and you know like to speak on like the well i, I guess i could speak on two things like with the rear projection i love it like within the scenes outside of the, them shooting yeah. oh, the movie yeah. how he kind of kind of does that again in a way where he, like, he'll integrate, you know, classic rear projection and then, like, kind of footage of them on the street driving the car. And it's it's really interesting. And then, like, of course, the moments where you could kind of, you see the rest of the cars behind them are kind of, like, not very pleasant scenes, yeah. <laughs> not very, like, of course, towards the end where he's, you know, driving, you know, recklessly. But at um, even kind of towards the beginning of the movie where his his uh ex- his whore of an ex-wife <laughs> um comes off the street and like kind of like berates yeah that yeah. seems that scene's so great and because like, like
1: kirk douglas is out on a yeah. date with this young actress veronica and then his ex-wife played by sid sharice shows up and just like hops out of the car of her oil uh baron husband or husband husband to be i guess yeah and just like slow motion walks up to uh kirk douglas driving the car on a date with this girl or like driving her home or whatever and just like slow motion, flirts with him for four minutes <laughs> while her husband's just
3: honking. She she really was a fascinating character. Like I feel yeah. like every time she came in, like it just made me feel like this is just Kirk Douglas's nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> like this is a fucking ghoul that is haunting him, and he's come back. It's like it, it's like it is the perfect like rehab movie. But it's like you get out of rehab and you go back to where you shouldn't go. Like, yeah. And exactly. for some reason, your fucking ex wife is there.
1: hey we always had a thing about green (laughs) I love how he says that because he's just like describing what she wore one day and then the next time he calls her she's just like in a green uh, like pajama slash kind of lingerie outfit with all this green bedding surrounding her and stuff and Manelli just going balls to the wall with all of the you know as much expressive color use as he possibly can.
0: No yeah I think like the the ex-wife character well you know maybe a bit kind of like maybe kind of one note ish i guess mm-hmm. maybe but like still kind of interesting in the, in the fact where like i don't know the position that kind of douglas holds in this movie where like he like he's kind of he could trend towards to how like uh, edward g is living like completely like 100% full of bile cynical mm-hmm. like just a complete piece of shit yeah or like he you know any scene kind of you know in the younger actor he could kind of see himself a little bit he can kind of see his past past mistakes and whatever and he's trying not to slide back into that he's trying not to slide back into whatever edward g robinson is because that's not necessarily a happy lifestyle
1: yeah as edward g robinson says toward the end all women are just pure monster (laughs) (laughs) no yeah to put his character into perspective for someone who hasn't seen this film
0: and so, yeah, it is it is like all these different factors Or yeah, like his ex-wife is kind of like a, a vision of like kind of him being like, I don't know, like just youthful mistake or whatever. And it is just like kind of him in this transition mode. So, yeah, you saying like it's a good rehab movie that really that is that really rings true. Yeah, because he's like a, he's a man in transition. He's trying to find his new place
1: uh and you know speaking of a man who found a new place our friend jt is in pennsylvania (laughs) but he did call in with a little segment so let's let's hear from jt what he's up to Uh, maybe he saw the film
2: true
0: good transition by the way
2: (laughs) hey guys how's it going i hope everything is great back in la but finally i'll have the experience of being one of our beloved podcast fans and I'll be able to listen to a fresh episode of Extended Clip without having any idea what lies ahead. Um, but let's get to two weeks in another town. Um, two weeks in another town, that's much like what I'm doing here, from uh, coming from L.A. to another town. So I already connect with the picture on that level. But getting, actually getting into it. I think the uh, CinemaScope compositions were as beautiful as I was anticipating with Minnelli. Um, Same thing with the excessive set design. It's like beautiful, over-the-top luxury. Um, And, I don't know, he really fills out the rooms well. Um, But for the first half of this picture, I really was kind of back and forth on it. I mean, there were some things that I liked, but there was a lot of zone out. I think particularly because of... The relationships that happen with Robinson and Douglas with the two actors, Drew and Veronica, I feel like those performances are like not the most compelling and given the the background relationships going on with Robinson and Douglas, their past, and uh Robinson horn around on his wife. That's the more compelling stuff and it, it keeps it pretty tame in terms of melodrama in the first uh, part of the movie. But then around like the last 40 minutes after Robinson has the heart attack and Douglas takes over the picture, like that introduction there when Douglas goes into the Red Room where there's so many different people there just uh trying to take care of Robinson and figure out what to do with the movie I think it really kicks it into high gear and all the pieces kind of come together a lot more I mean you have uh some fun antics with Douglas like finally recovering sort of coming into his own as a director, there taking on a new role after being an actor, um, all that stuff is really fun. And then we have like the melodramatic highs of the backstabbing that happens with Robinson's wife and him, and then of that brilliantly leads into a classic drunk driving epiphany from Douglas, where he realizes he's fucking great. He just needs to be himself. Fuck the past. Everything's fine. Uh, It's a real uh, male soul mindset there, and I can really appreciate it, and I was won over a lot in the last 40 minutes where I wound up actually, I think, really enjoying it.
1: Wow, you know, I... I would have to say I pretty much agree with everything he said there. And I think that you guys do too. Absolutely. Wow.
0: I, I know what he said and I approve of what what he what he said.
1: Okay. Uh to speak a little on the visual aspect of this mm-hmm. film, it is sumptuous. I already talked a little bit about the production design, but like the gelled lighting and shit is Ooh. just insane. There's this uh especially the scenes where Kirk Douglas is taking that young actress, Veronica, about the town, or really she's showing him about the town mm-hmm. uh, since he's the foreigner here, are just so incredible. There's the rear projection that doesn't quite match and it's like a little disorienting, but right. if you're focusing more on the characters' glances looking at each other, it's all kind of a blur anyway. Mm-hmm. They walk through this like blue and black courtyard oh, at yeah. one point and then these three guys in bright red robes walk by on the other side of the screen legendary just fucking like let's throw as much color in as you possibly can um the screening room also has that deep blue in it uh looks like thunder or like lightning or something like that it's crazy it's almost like he's projecting at like 10 frames a second or something like you can totally see the di- the breaks between every image almost and it's like it's projecting in slow motion and especially the smoke getting caught in it and all of the colorful lighting and everything it's just there are so many visual setups in this movie that I just want to live in for so long <laughs> yeah
3: you you almost feel like Minnelli is doing like the most
0: with color oh yeah. absolutely and I think I think what what I appreciate about Minnelli's use of color and this is definitely seen in his other movies is that it's not and I like this, you know, other directors have this, of course, but, like, I love this quality where his, like, his use of color is, like, almost just kind of, like, it, it just feels like overwhelming feelings, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not, like, specific to, like, I don't know, people like to get get their fucking notebook and calculator out. It's, like, red means this emotion yeah, or, yeah. or whatever, where it's just, like, kind of, like, these strong colors, kind of, like, this this deep green weird texture, uh, theater room with like the blue, uh, the, the blue projection. It just, I don't know. It brings something out of you in in a way, just through it's, uh, I don't know, the grandness of the visuals and like the way he, like he uses color. Cause like this is kind of a more dialed, back film for his regard you know what i mean in just terms in terms of the subject matter too Mm -hmm. it's not exactly you know it's not exactly what's that brig it's not exactly brigadoon or whatever brigadoon but it's like um yeah i don't know like the visual tricks he finds here, like I think he uses you know the widescreen pr- pretty well here. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, be-
1: better than Brigadoon even because yeah. Brigadoon runs into some kind of awkward stuff with the bending of the frame. Yeah, but it's completely natural here. The Cinemascope compositions really as good as I've seen. I, I guess I've only seen a couple Manelli, but as good as I've seen in terms of just pure compositional prowess. Mm-hmm. I also love the relationship between Edward G. Robinson and the young actor. Uh, who he's just trying to whip into shape the whole time and just treats him like dog shit. He's a pussy. He just keeps calling him a creep. <laughs> <Yeah. which> I, <laughs> that creep. Like he just really hates him. Yeah. I think just calling him a creep, even after the guy like takes a knife to him and cuts him, he's like, oh, what a creep. Uh, that well, guy's a
0: real jerk. I like
3: because that at w- at one point Kirk Douglas like gets on the same wave. He's yeah. just like fuck this kid.
0: Yeah. Oh, <laughs> like You're gonna do
3: the goddamn scene.
0: <laughs> no, you, you know that made me just like, and of course this is obvious, but just like how many people are just pushed into Hollywood that like no one fucks with, mm-hmm. like 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 everyone like the whole time. There's probably so many people like this, like the director screenwriter all the people on set like this guy's like a sack of shit not that talented <laughs> and like for whatever reason like he's just there and like yeah. people just have to live with that and that that's just a funny part of hollywood just some shithead kid coming in you oh have you to think be it's his...
1: funny oh, true. the got, abuse to... that goes I on forget. in hollywood yeah. <laughs> you think it's funny i
0: forgot we need to say we need to save the film industry i forgot that that was this was part of the podcast <laughs> David have you met any of those types of people In your work in Hollywood
3: I mean yeah you meet those people everywhere I mean of course in every industry But definitely yeah I mean It's also a thing where like Lots of people get hired and like it's hard to fire People like especially Mm -hmm. when There's like just a few people in yeah, especially when they're yeah. a
1: uh, minority hire. Oh, that's that's
0: what David was saying, yeah, in, David sign was saying yeah. in sign language. <laughs> yeah. In sign language, I was typing Shut it in. out. David's I wanted someone a, to say
1: it for me. David's a classic lazy racist teamster, and he's just like, "Look, I like guys like me driving
0: trucks." <laughs> hey, David isn't, but he's friends with all of them on set. <laughs> yeah. I, that's all I know.
3: I I got them all watching Adam Curtis
1: <laughs> radicalizing the racist lazy teamsters. Well, hey, I what, think we're doing some pretty good stuff with this labor union.
0: You know, just tangent. But I think it, what's great about Adam Curtis, I think you could still watch it and still be unwoke. Yeah, oh,
1: absolutely! <laughs> like, yeah, I yeah. think there are plenty of people that prove that. Yeah, yeah. JT said something about the drunk driving scene, uh, which is just so good here. You know, we talked about the rear projection here. It gets lost in order to uh, like it, it gets really hazy because Minnelli is just mounting the camera on the car and fucking twirling it all around and it's just like all this crazy movement and the rear projection becomes so unrealistic that it becomes more scary kind of because it's like he keeps looking like he's slamming into a wall when he's just like turning supposedly uh and the the camera movement where it just sweeps around the car with both of them in it while he's spinning out or whatever is just one of the most incredible things i've seen from this era
3: yeah, yeah, it just becomes like a scene in Speed Racer all of yeah. a sudden, where like it completely becomes like, you know, you can't see any detail. It's just all illustrative, you know. It's like a painting at that point.
0: No, yeah, I've I've Manelli like I've like I haven't really seen him like go like that abstract or whatever. But it is like the way that scene is shot, especially like with those camera movements, because it's like it's kind of disorientating, and it's like you like it's not necessarily like replicating like a feeling of like getting jerked around in the car it's just like kind of a strange disorientated angle with like yeah the rear projection kind of like going awry and then just like you know some classic yelling to amp up the, oh, the intensity and it, it is like
1: a lot of women yelling in this movie oh my
0: it's good effective <laughs> effective it is, it is a, it's effect hey it gets it gets you sitting up in your seat you know <laughs> Get, gets you paying attention <laughs> like what's going on here <laughs>
3: Yeah, it's crazy how the car just like I don't know I, I don't know if he like dolly to the right while like the car is moving to the left mm-hmm. or like if he did shit like that because it looked like times like he would be like, you know, the projector is front on and then he's turning the camera while the car is turning. Mm-hmm. It's like I don't even know how he did this. It it's almost
1: amazing. seems like the projection on that one is different than the classic rear projection. Like yeah. it seems like maybe he used a curved screen or some shit like yeah, that. Yeah. Uh because there is a lot of motion that almost just doesn't make sense uh but it's awesome
0: that's what kind of makes it more intense in a way of course and, and uh yeah he was definitely on some bumper car shit right there yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean that definitely feels like some like it definitely like it has like the the feeling of a turn of a bumper car mm-hmm. i don't yeah. know
3: it's, it's interesting how like the like the rear projection earlier on like it like very much like comes across as like kind of fake you know which is all right but then like once he like pushes it like to the next level like even mm-hmm. more like unrealistic it kind of just like rings more true
1: oh yeah it's like the fucking uh the kiss and body double where it's like the camera twirling alongside the rear projection image doing a spinning motion as well uh hey maybe that's where you got it from man it's possible uh, I mean th- th- uh, Let's leave that one To another episode Manelli
0: never really gets Like much You know what I mean You don't hear In like In terms a lo- of the direct comparisons, Yeah stuff, or like yeah. Directors being like Oh i watch Minnelli And like that's Godard how Godard
1: was a big yeah. Minnelli fan
0: Contempt Well that's because Godard was you know That's because he's a goat And yeah contempt I feel like con- may, Maybe he saw this Before making contempt Who knows
1: Vincent Minnelli tracking shots are the GOAT.
0: <laughs> I hope some Zach Lowe fans listen to the podcast. And <laughs> to Understand. stick up the
1: topic of Zach Lowe, Red Robin ad reads, uh, the one he did for like their special bacon menu on the last one was so ridiculous. I think he said the word bacon 832 times in that ad read. Bacon. <laughs> uh, JT, <laughs> while we're running out of steam here, you have any final thoughts on this movie you want to share?
2: I'm going to give you some audio takes you can splice in we don't even have to uh, mention that I was not present for this record our brain dead troglodyte pay pigs won't even know Um, but yeah one second let me get you some clean takes you can put these anywhere in the episode wow I agree with you Eddie great point David Malcolm, you're so nasty. I bet Kirk Douglas had a big penis. That's gay. Alright, so yeah, just uh, throw those in any point. I think that should be fine. That should pretty much cover it for me this week. Uh, You know where to send a Patreon check. Uh, Lots of love. Uh, Can't wait to be back, fellas. Uh, Thanks for coming on again, David. Have a great one, boys. Bye.
0: JT's comments are the GOAT.
2: Wow, JT. That was great, man. I wish I could have done it like you. <laughs>
0: Subscribe to Extended Clip and get a side of JT voicemails. They're the GOAT. All right. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is our most obscure bit. It's the Zach Lowe, <laughs> Red Robin Addery.
1: <laughs> yeah, Malcolm, it's your pick next week. Do you have anything oh, in fuck. mind? No, I don't. I'm it's sorry. okay. God damn it. Fuck. Um. Yeah, I hope you guys were okay with JT not being on this episode. Um,
0: yeah. If you hate, if you hate David, let us know. He won't come back.
1: On. <laughs> yeah, leave reviews for David specifically on the iTunes, on the Patreon. Yeah, hope. iTunes. Let's
0: get some David iTunes. Yeah.
3: Reviews. Mention. You should add my employer too. Oh, which which is which is JT. Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> Any other final words
3: before we wrap up here, David? Um. You should. You should you? Malcolm, why sh- all are microphones you? on me. Okay. All microphones on me. You should go yeah. watch more Manali movies.
1: All right. Sorry, my legs cramping up. Oh. Yeah, this is getting very weird.